The next kinah, kinah number eight, I let my lament soar to heaven. The destruction of the base Hamigdash was just a, revel, a, a realization of the fact that we were so distant from God. That in the world of Beis Hamigdash, in a world where God's presence is manifest, as we discussed even this past week, how the, Beis Hamigdash, the purpose of the Beis Hamigdash, especially for Ramban, for Nachmanides, is a place on a hill where we can point to and say, this is a continuous revelation, continuing from Harsinai when God was manifest and spoke to us, and now we have a place for God in our midst, similar, perhaps, to the role of a shul. We quoted the Sefer Yireim, who said that the same way there's a mitzvah, build me a temple and I will dwell there, said the Sefer Yireim, there's a mit- that by extension of that, there's a mitzvah to build a shul. That our shul also is a mitzvah ma'at. And not only is there a deraisa to build a shul, which means also the way in which we act and conduct ourselves in a shul has to mirror and parallel the same awe and reverence we have for the temple. With the destruction, however, of the temple, we were cast away from God. In the words of the Nevi'im, portraying it similar to a marriage, it was like a divorce, it was like there was a, as, as if there was an affair, and God said, go away. And therefore, living in a world devoid of mikdash, without prophecy, we are so distant from Hashem. We are so far from Hashem. We are unable to feel His constant and ongoing presence in our lives. There's a line in this kinnah. It's approximately one, two, three, four, four, four stanzas in, where we say as follows: Edva with a troubled heart, with a broken heart, I seek Him. What we're saying here is, God, I am suffering with all my heart. I am sad with all my heart. My heart is longing for a connection with You. I ache with, for the nostalgia of what it was like. To live in a world where I really had a connection. I was certain of that connection. And I felt that connection. And it wasn't just words of, I'm hoping I can lean on you, God. But it was an actual feeling of living within the shelter of God's presence. Of being able to literally lean on God. And feel that all the moments of Sheves are okay. That that insecurity is okay. That living in a world of mikdash, of divine revelation... Everything that comes my way, whether it seems good or bad, I can see with clarity that it's for the good. I'm seeking for you, God. I'm in such pain. I'm in such pain that I don't have that relationship that I want. And even sometimes I feel like I don't want it. And I'm living the life I'm living, and it feels like it's just, okay, life is good. God is for shul. God is for whatever. When I, maybe when I'm in trouble. And sometimes I don't even realize I want it. And then there are other times... I don't know when it could be. Maybe it's in a moment of crisis, a moment of seeming revelation, a moment of joy, a moment of sadness, a moment of seeing great beauty, a moment of kumzitz, where I realize that my deepest desire is to be in the presence of God. And it comes and it goes. And what we're trying to say now is I want to be whole again. I want to constantly feel that. I don't want to doubt myself when I feel that. I want to, in a way, let that cynicism that the modern world has allowed to creep over us and create this, this cover over our heart, I want it to go away and feel that tamimistic, feel that sense of innocence where I'm really able to want and desire and talk about you, God. 
to talk to you, God, and not feel childish, to talk about you, God, and not feel, quote-unquote, religious. That sort of feeling is what we're saying, but avda, we say, I've lost, evda, edva, lev lam seyu. There's a parallel to this, this plea, and that comes up in the slichos. In the slichos themselves, we say something very similar, tucked away, right before we say, shema koleinu, where we, play, we reach out to God and say, God, listen, hearken to our prayers. We say to God, We say to God, and then we say, as it says, I searched out for you. We say, God, be accessible to us when we seek you. Be accessible to us when we seek you. What are we requesting when we say to God, be accessible to us? What's the, what is our desire? What is the prayer? We're not requesting money. We're not requesting health. We're not requesting wealth. We're not requesting any of the things that we normally request throughout the Shemot Esrei. All we're requesting is simply, God, I want to be close to you. I want you in my life. I want you as a real part of my life. Yaakov Avinu says to his children, to Yosef and his sons, he says, May Odi va'ad, he says, May Odi from today until the whole life, God was my shepherd. My whole life, God was my shepherd. The Ramban says the word roe, a shepherd, is also roe, a friend. It's also to say we should, at, a, at, a, at a, every wedding, at every shevrachos, the couple should be reya mahuven, not shepherds to each other, but best friends to each other. Yaakov says to, to his, his children, from the day I was born, and as we know Yaakov, Yaakov was compared to darkness, to lila, to night, because of everything he went through. Whether it was the rivalry with his brother, his brother tried to kill him, having to run away because his brother tried to kill him. Living in Lovin's house, where it was constant, constant, the trickery, the machinations, everything that Lovin did to him, and then Lovin chasing after him. Whether it was seven years of work for his, his, the, the person he loved, only to find out he was tricked and having to work seven additional years. It was not an easy life. And then finally, when things look okay, financially he's secure, he's leaving the clutches, the servitude of Lovin, going to Israel, returning home to his home place. His beloved wife dies. He has children who don't get along. Yosef is sold to Mitzrayim. He goes to Mitzrayim. And in Mitzrayim itself, things are not great. But what does he say? Not now when things are secure, I have Yosef back, I'm living in Goshen. God is my friend. But Yaakov felt his whole life, me odi, from the beginning of time, from when I was born until now. God is my friend. This feeling of looking and making God to be our friend, someone we can talk to, someone we can lean on, someone we feel his presence and feel that relationship and feel it's reciprocated. That's what we're requesting. And that's the broken heart we feel now, that we want to feel close to God, to feel that touch of eternity on our shoulders. The Chassam Sofer writes on one of perhaps the strangest verses and strangest interactions in all of Torah. Moshe turns to God and says, God, God, reveal to me your glory. Let me see you. I want to perceive you. And what does God say to him? Stand in this cleft, stand in this rock, and then, I will, and then I will pass before you. You want to see me? You want to know me? Stand in this rock, face the rock, be inside this rock, and I will pass before you. However, God says to him, just know, just know that you will see my back, but you will not see my face. 
It's a very strange interaction. Moshe is saying to God, show me your glory. God's saying, I can do so as long as you go into this rock, but you'll only see my rear. You'll only see the, from behind my back. You will never see the front of me. What's going on here? I've explained this interaction. It says the Chassam Sofer as follows. So often, all of us are in this rock. We're in a rock. And you know what's taking place behind us? No different than Moshe Rabbeinu. God is passing behind us. God is behind us. God is present. But we're in a rock and we don't feel it. We're in the rock and we don't know what's going on. And therefore we ask questions. God, why is this happening to me? God, why, you, why would you let this happen to me? God, is this really necessary? Do I have to suffer this way? Do I have to feel this pain? Do I have to go through what I'm going through? When we're out, we all, each and every one of us, is going through something at some point in our life. Sometimes for a moment, sometimes for years. God, is this really, really necessary? And you know what God is telling us? You're in the rock. But eventually, maybe in 20 years, at some point down the road, you will turn around and you will realize I was there the whole time. And when you turn around in retrospect, you will see me me'ochorai. You won't see me when I'm there in front of, the front of me when I'm there. But when you turn around from this rock, just like Moshe, we will see God me'ochorai. We will see that God was there the whole time. And perhaps we'll be lucky enough, and not always, to realize that whatever we went through, whatever challenge we had, somehow, some way, it made sense. It built us. It allowed us to go places we never would have gone otherwise. And other times, we'll remain in the rock until the day we die, never knowing that God was there. But just like Moshe Rabbeinu says to Chassam Sofer, we're in the rock and God is present the whole time. This prayer, this plea to God to make himself known to us when we ask him to heal that broken heart, what we're asking God is to say, God, where are you when I search for you? I search for you so frequently. I reach out to you so frequently. Please, Make your presence known immediately. Answer my call when I call. Don't make me have to wait. Don't make me have to suffer in the silence. Don't make me wait 20 years before I recognize you were there. I want to feel your presence, Me'achorai. I want to feel your presence even in front of the Fanai when I'm in that rock. Allow me to enter the rock. Allow me to see you and not have to wait until the end of the promised exile. I want to feel you when I search for you. I don't want to wait for you anymore. This feeling of showing me your glory, this feeling of wanting to know you, this feeling of wanting to feel God's presence, perhaps the feeling is to be able to reclaim that innocence of being able to even speak about God in a way in which we don't feel childish, but really deeply feel God's presence in our life is ultimately the truest desire of every Jew, which is why that's what we're praying for. We're praying to God to fix the break that Gullah's brought, to heal that broken heart, so we can come close to God, to recognize that in the world of Beis Hamikdash, in a world when we're in Geula, God's presence is there. We have that kirvus elukim, that closeness to God. But in the world of broken heart, we're left yearning for God. We're left almost yearning to get to a place where we wish and we will and we want to feel that yearning for God, where we wish we can feel what our neshamas deep down feel. And that is ultimately our purpose in this world, is not wealth, it's not fame, it's not even the, the, the push, it's not even our legacies, it's not even perpetuating our, mem our memories. 
but it's simply kirvas elokim, to come close to God. That's why we're here. That's why Neshama was put in this world. The Ramchal, or Moshe Chaim Latzata, the great thinker, Kabbalist, writes in his Mesilas Yisharm. He opens up Mesilas Yisharm and he says as follows. I'm writing this work, not because I have any chidushim, any novelties I want to teach, but because sometimes what's most obvious to all of us bears repeating. That sometimes, although I'm effectively plagiarizing, he says, I'm telling you what, everything what you know, but sometimes the things we know most, the things we want most, we don't bother articulating because we feel it's so obvious, which leads us to forget, to push it into some sort of latent awareness, but not actually acutely thinking about it. So he opens up his Mesilas Yisharim, the path that just, saying, I'm going to tell you what is so obvious to all of us, yet we often, so often forget. And he writes as follows, Yisoda Chasidus Bisharosha Avoda, the foundation of piousness, the root of all service of God. Who she is is Amis Eitzel Adam, that a person should know and be aware. Macho Vaso Ba'olomo, what is man's obligation in this world? And what is it that he's toiling after? What is it he needs, to, he needs to direct his gates? What is his aspiration his whole life? This is why we were put in this world. What is it? What is, let me clarify why we are put in this world. He says, Behold, Our sages of blessed memory have taught us, Man was created solely to delight in God. And to derive pleasure from the radiance, from the closeness, from the proximity of God's presence. The truest pleasure that the neshama, the soul, feels is and the greatest delight, of all delights, that can be found. The greatest pleasure that our neshama feels, and we often forget this, our bodies teach us to forget this, is to derive pleasure from God, to feel this kirvas elokim, to feel the sense of connection, to feel and to want and desire to fix that broken heart so that we can feel this connection to God. And it works, by, I think, both ways. It's not just us who want to come close to God. It's not just us who want to heal this relationship. But in a way, God wants to re- heal it as well. God wants us to come close as well. God wants to be close to us. I mentioned last night, I have a good friend, Avi Schwartz. Avi Schwartz, he's the JLIC rabbi in Rutgers. He wasn't, a, he wasn't supposed to be in Rutgers. He, was a ra- he went through smicha with me, and he also became a social worker. Four years ago, they gave birth to a beautiful little girl, Kiki, who was born with some disease and she was never able to go home from the hospital. She needed constant support. She was given a trach immediately after birth, had to be watched 24-7 until she was old enough to realize she couldn't pull the trach out. And so Avi was going down to East Brunswick every day, pretty much, to go to the hospital. She was in Robert Wood Johnson, I believe. And he was diving in the Rutgers Hilla. And he spent Shabbos in Rutgers Hilla until they said to him, look, you're here all the time. Would you like to part-time take over JLIC, the rabbi on campus? And that's what he did. And that's how I, I mean, I know him before. I actually spoke there a few months ago. And every Sunday, once Kiki was stabilized, they used to take the family, him and his wife and their other kid, and go and visit Kiki. 
who was laying in bed, and she was a beautiful child, and that was their Sunday routine. And I, was, I spoke to Avi a few months ago, he actually said to me, they were thinking of moving her to a facility near Linden, and he wanted to talk about perhaps even moving to Linden. A few weeks ago, Kiki had some sort of pneumonia, some sort of fever, and over the course of a few days, she declined, and everyone was davening. And he was, he's, a big, he's big on social media, on Twitter, he was tweeting updates of her condition. And you can literally read the diary of the last few days of Kiki's life. And ultimately, she passed away. Avi said two things. One thing he said to me, he's actually texted me this last night. He said to me, I want people to realize that my wife and I, we're not malachim, we're not angels. We're not special people, which I disagree. He goes, but what allowed us to take, play the role, if you will, of being Kiki's angel was the fact that we had the support system of family and community who enabled us and allowed us to step in and to really devote our energies and time to Kiki. So that's number one, the first lesson of Kiki's life, is to look around our own life, and there are people in this room, there are people in our lives who need our support because they're taking care of someone else or need our support because they themselves are going through something. And to try to recognize that the only way we can allow people to overcome whatever obstacles are in their life is if we give them the support and create that network of community, something that in Anche Chesed we do so well, of community, of support, of assistance, so they can get through what they're going through. But there's something else that Avi taught all of us. He said, they flew Kiki to be buried in Israel. I asked his wife at the Shiva why, and she said very simply, they came to us and said, so do you want to, do you want to plot in New Jersey? And she said to me, what shaykhis do I have to land in New Jersey? What connection do I have to dirt in New Jersey? This is not our future. She's going to be buried in Israel. So they flew her to Israel. And Avi said he's standing there at the cemetery, overlooking the grave of his four-year-old daughter. And he had to speak. And one of the customs we do at a funeral is we ask michila, we ask forgiveness from the deceased for any way in which we may have harmed them over their life. And he said he looked, he looked at the grave of his four-year-old daughter. And he said, what am I going to ask Mechila for? What's there to ask Mechila from a perfect angel? What's there to ask Mechila for from a girl who never came home? What's there to ask Mechila from a girl who lived her life in sickness? And he looked at her, and he realized the one thing he can ask Mechila for was he never brought her home. And so he said, I want to ask Mechila from you, Kiki, that I never brought you home, that your whole life you had to live in facilities, your whole life you had to live in the hospital. And I wanted to bring you home. And we wished to bring you home. And maybe you would have been more comfortable at home. And things would have been easier for you at home. But I wasn't able to bring you home because of the circumstances of your condition. And that's what he asked Michila from. Kiki, I'm sorry I couldn't bring you home. David Beshevkin, a friend of mine as well, recently interviewed Avi on his podcast. And he ended off the podcast and he said... You know, perhaps the same way Avi asked Mechila from Kiki. And he said, Kiki, I really want to bring you home. But unfortunately, because of circumstances, I can't. And it pains me. It really pains me that I had a daughter I couldn't bring home. He said, maybe that's what God is feeling as well. That every Tisha B'Av, God looks at us and says, God, Jewish people, children, I want to ask Mechila from you. I want to bring you home too. I want to bring you back. I wish I can bring you back. You'll be more comfortable if I bring you back. Things will be better if I bring you back. 
But the circumstances of Gaulus, the circumstances of the way we live our lives, unfortunately, and with great pain, God asks Mechidla and says, we're not there yet. And so I'm sorry, children. I can't bring you home. The purpose of life is this request, is this constant quest, this desire for us to return to God, for us to feel the connection to God. Edva leif, to heal that broken and troubled heart. And for God to say, and God to feel as well, that we are his children. And for God to ask Michila from each and every one of us, and God to say, the same way you want to be my best friend, I want to be your best friend. And for us to think about how we can go through life and remove that veneer of cynicism that sometimes modernity has covered us with, and to reclaim that innocence and reclaim the ability to talk to God, to talk about God, and to bring God into our lives in a way that God is very real, similar to the Beis HaMikdash. We'll continue with Kinnah number eight, Edva'ad Chug Shemayim. 